Hey guys, I'm Raul Coley and I am Arthur Vader, a weird terrier apparently. My name is Ayanna White, I'm a writer for iZombie. Hi, I'm Molly Hagan, I play Liv's mom on iZombie. And you're listening to the iZombie podcast. Is that really how you're going to sit? Can't you sit up? Sit up? Sit up? You're listening to a season one episode of the iZombie podcast with Robin and Steph. We're a fan podcast dedicated to the hit CW show, iZombie. The season one episodes begin and end abruptly, so we hope you'll forgive us. This week's episode, we discuss the final iZombie trade paperback, Repossessed, with special guest Moira Brown. Um, Claire, who's our usual guest for these comic bites, has been sick. We do hope she gets well. But we've got a new guest for this episode who's been reading on following along. Um, I used to podcast with her about six feet under on uh, FisherCast. You look that up. Uh, welcome to the iZombie podcast, Moira. Well, hi, Robin. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> welcome to the show. It's good to talk to you again. <laughs> you too. Yes, and I have been. I have been listening diligently to every episode so far. Oh, that, that makes me so quit, happy. So. <laughs> so are you looking forward to the television show, Moira? Oh, I really am. After I saw it last week, after I saw the trailer... I thought, oh, this is this looks very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you listen to the last uh, episode, our regular episode, mm-hmm. I was pretty much mm-hmm. bouncing out of my seat. Yes, I, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it wasn't until I listened to your episode that I realized they had put out the trailer. Oh, nice. So I, I literally, I listened about two minutes in. You were all excited and exuberant, and I thought, and I put pause, and then I. Google the trailer, <laughs> watch the trailer, and then carry it on because I thought, well, there's no point in listening to this if I haven't seen this this trailer, right? So, um, but it was funny. You commented on how I think Stephanie, both of you guys, said that the character, you know, she looks relatively normal the way they've dressed her instead of making her look like a fashion plate, um, which is fine. Like I don't watch CW shows really. Sorry, so <laughs> I, I have no prejudice or bias about how they normally dress their characters but i just was struck thinking oh she's a, she's beautiful she's mm-hmm. gorgeous i don't care how you dress her that woman has got stunning facial yeah. features so <laughs> looking like a zombie or not i thought she looked amazing so yeah and hmm. yeah she's a very pretty girl she but, is but you know uh the cw is it's it's for young women but, mm-hmm. but really uh you know ladies our age watch a lot of cw mm-hmm. And yeah. so I just feel like it's, um, <clears throat> you know, just everything that's for young girls seems to be very glamorous. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah very uh, sort of that superficial, yeah, perfect hair, perfect makeup, perfect everything stuff. Yeah. Well, a lot of the shows, yeah, they, perfect they, life. they do seem to yeah. keep it balanced, you know. I mean, on Arrow, mm-hmm. Arrow's got amazing abs. <laughs> <laughs> and we see them almost every episode. But yet, for a guy like me who's in the comic books, you know, I kind of freak out uh, when, you know, cool stuff like, you know, Boxing Glove Arrow shows up or whatever. <laughs> so I think they keep it balanced. It's just, you know, well, they're yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's TV, though, really. To be fair, they don't pick a lot of homely people to be on television. (laughs) There you go. But you guys were commenting on how the show is such a departure from the comic, uh, which it obviously will be. Um, But, you know, I got thinking about it, and I can totally see why they would do that. Like, it's like anything. When you adapt a book, you know, into a screenplay, for instance, you you have to take liberties. You can't put every scene of Lord of the Rings into Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. or the movie would have been about five years long, right? So... 
Um, and I do think that their their format of having her work in a you know, in a mortuary um, or with the Emmy or whatever so that they can have a, you know, a plot of the week. It, it all makes sense to me. So I'm fine with that. I think, yeah, um, because a lot of the other monsters, like when you guys were reviewing the comic books and you were talking about undersouls and oversouls and all that stuff, and I thought, you know, that would be a little bit um, complicated maybe uh, for television. Yeah. So, so I think fair game. You take a really cool premise, which is a zombie that's not a, a sluggish, slow-moving, you know, stupid zombie, the way we think of zombies. You take a zombie who can think on her feet. That's your premise. That's a cool idea. So good for them if they take it and run with it. Right. That's what and I they're think. eating the brains and uh, developing mm-hmm. uh, personality ticks and trying to solve where they, you know, how they died. I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a very neat idea. So, there are a lot of, so I think that's cool. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot of people that I mean, I see on Twitter like they're they're just kind of bummed that it isn't more adherent to the comic. I I just say you know, hey, it's the comic's a comic and enjoy the comic, and I just don't see that whole thing working on television, or at least if it they did adhere entirely to it, I don't know if it would last very long. I don't know. Yeah, and but I can see when you have an affection for something um, like this comic that it, it would be somewhat disappointing mm. when you realize that they've they've just taken the kernel of the idea yeah. and used that and left out all these other really characters that you've grown to really care about, you know, like Scott or whoever. Mm. So I can see why they might be a bit taken aback by that. Like it's it's like you have to do a mental shift. You have to adjust and go, oh, okay, so it's not going to be the world of Eugene Oregon. Right. It's going to be just. You know, her as the main character and a different sort of setup. And she's got a different so, name. It's a yeah. different city. It's yeah. Like... Yeah. So they really, yeah. they've and just that, taken the gist of it and, and tossed out the rest. So I can see why the comic lovers might be disappointed yeah. by that. Because the comic would not make a television show. The comic would make a movie. Yeah. yeah. But not a television or an awesome show. Yeah, actually, <laughs> you're right. It would make a really cool movie. And, and I was going to say, um, it's funny because I end up coming on for the giant novel comic. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um but i was surprised skipping ahead i'm pretending i'm sorry <laughs> skipping ahead um i was surprised that it like it ended i didn't i didn't understand that this um series of comic books had an end point yeah. i thought you know it would be like the walking dead where it just keeps going yeah. on forever so oh, gosh, imagine... i kept reading along and they kept saying oh the end and i thought no no they're kidding they mean the pretend end they don't really mean the end do oh, they the end. no they meant the end and honestly if i was if i was a better podcaster slash researcher i would have yeah. the story behind why it ended I just have a feeling yeah. they decided they had an endpoint and they wanted to get to it, and they got to it, and they moved on to other things. Yeah, projects. maybe they had a, you know, they had an actual. You mean they had a, an actual plan? You mean like, um, not like certain TV shows we won't name where <laughs> they don't really know how, where they were going. Um, but anyway, so as I was reading along, I, you know, obviously within the last few. Um, whatever it is, the last five books or something inside of this, this big novel, mm-hmm. you realize, oh, it's actually coming to an yeah. end. So I thought, oh, okay. And it's actually called The End. <laughs> yes, five. exactly. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right, well, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. First, we want to do some news. Um, I forgot to mention in the last episode, iZombie made the opening monologue of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. What? Yeah. And Chris uh, Chris <laughs> Roberson, the, the author, um, actually tweeted that it was a pretty surreal moment. Uh, it was in the opening monologue. The joke was, the CW announced a new crime drama about a zombie medical student that eats the brains of dead people and inherits their memories to solve crimes. It's called Every Television Show Combined. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
well. Um, a couple other bits of news <laughs> is that iZombie's rap shooting, and they're now in post production. Um, and uh, at least they've they've wrapped uh, shooting with Rose. Rose um, tweeted on January twentieth. She says. Today I'm shooting the last season or the last scene of iZombie season one. The last line I utter is no. To who? What? Why? Happy guessing. <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes is it, Rob? I think it's thirteen. Oh, okay. I was thinking eight for some reason. Okay, thirteen. That's not no, bad. No, we're not in uh, the UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, they'd be eighteen, but they'd all be an hour and fifteen minutes That's long. True. I mean, eight. Well, maybe yeah. we'll get a nice full twenty-two <laughs> yeah, next year. I don't know. I, I'm, yeah, but thirteen's good. You know. Yeah. So, hey, listen. Sometimes I'm not a fan of twenty-two episodes. No. Honestly. No. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'd rather have twelve amazing ones than twenty-two, where some of them are filler. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so let's uh, tear open our uh, trade paperback, <laughs> Repossession, collecting um, issues 19 through 28. That's 220 pages. <laughs> um, kind of go through these like issue by issue, but try to keep it as short and simple as possible. And if you guys want to okay. like give your opinions of things that are happening as I'm describing them, feel free. Please do. <laughs> okay. All right. So... Um, a little bit of information, this uh, number 19, Staying In, um, was available on January of 2012. It's the first uh, iZombie issue available in digital. And um, in an interview with uh, Chris Robertson, he says he hopes it doesn't, you know, the digital thing doesn't affect the business of comic book shops. But he's glad to get his material out to people who do not have a shop nearby like people like me, by the way. Uh, oh, thank you. yeah, and probably the one shop that we have on the other side of town probably wouldn't have eyes on. Yeah, they have, you know, just the the main big ones. Oh, I'm so jealous of people who have just gigantic comic book shops that are stocked. I mean, the the only one I have near me is maybe like a little over an hour away. I don't know, and I just couldn't see me doing that every week. Um, he's he also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Robinson also said, you know, this is good for people overseas who, you know, they definitely don't get <laughs> the options of uh, all the comics. In. That's true. Yeah. And Chris says he thinks this issue is a good jumping on point because it's the beginning of a new chapter. Um, so our cover is kind of a romantic one <laughs> of Gwen <laughs> getting her cheek bitten into by a <laughs> rando zombie. <laughs> um, so this issue, uh, we've got the, the aftermath of the zombie uprising. Um, 300 mm-hmm. zombies came out of the ground. Uh, the Fosters uh, and the dead presidents are cleaning up the streets. The National Guard is here. Mm-hmm. Martial law is established. Shit's gotten real. <laughs> and uh, the issue is called Staying In, I think, just because, uh, you know, everybody who's supernatural is kind of in hiding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we even see vampires playing Monopoly with each other. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what they do with their downtime, Robin. Why are you laughing? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and, and as an aside, I won't miss the lack of vampires in the, in the, oops, in the TV show because I don't find the vampire chicks all that interesting. No, I mean, they started doing something with Trisha. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of um, finally pays off at the end of this whole thing. But yeah, uh, that's yeah. about it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like there's just too many side characters. Yeah, too many villains, too many bad guys, too many monster groups. Like they didn't really like I, the 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 dead presidents. Were they actually presidents? <laughs> no, 
No. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, you weren't the only one that took a while. They kept thinking, uh, yeah, exactly. Were they? And then they just are in different bodies. But yeah, it took a while before. Yeah, I was sure they were. Only Lincoln. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Gwen's barricaded herself in her crypt. She's painting, trying to remember how John mm-hmm. convinced her to kill herself. And um, in this interview I have, uh, uh, Chris Robinson said the issue was uh, – the, the whole issue was written. It wasn't painted or, or drawn yet, but um, then they just threw the script away because they wanted to restructure the story to put Scott's story in the front. Um, and he says, with the publication of that issue, readers will finally realize something that I've known all along, and that is that I Zombie is a book that doesn't have any straight – white male characters. (laughs) 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 And we were suspecting it all along too, so. Wait a minute. What about um, Horatio? Horatio's Asian. Oh, okay. Straight white male characters. Oh, white. (laughs) Fine, fine, fine. (laughs) Um, And uh, you could say Gramps too, but he's a chimp. (laughs) 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 Um. Scott is uh, the only uh, supernatural, one of the only supernatural people that is walking around freely because he doesn't have his uh, terrier face on all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, he's very focused on Gavin. It's so funny how throughout this he's more focused on getting back to Gavin. And <laughs> what does yeah. Gavin think? Then, holy shit, the world's coming to an end. <laughs> okay, I'm going to, at the risk of sounding really dim, um, I'm still confused about Gavin. I haven't finished the whole book. Mm-hmm. Okay, Gavin is. Why are there two personalities? Who, who is inhabiting him? Like the I don't. Phantasm. The phantasm. Okay, but the but the phantasm is. First of all, it took me forever to understand the phantasm was even real. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's a comic. Anyway, then it shows up. I'm like, okay, right. And what did that have to do with the writer that he visited? That was that's where the phantasm was inhabiting, and then it inhabits Gavin now. Is that? I believe, and this is just kind of making up my own my own history of this, my own canon. Um, but, but seeing the clues, like the writer writes a comic book all about the phantasm. He's older right. and he's made a lot of money from it. Right. But I think it's because the phantasm has possessed him all this time, and he's just right. much like a rock band we're going to meet later. They've taken stuff that's happening in the real world and made it, it you know, made some money from it. <laughs> Right. So when Gavin went and visited the writer, the phantasm, I think then that's when this deal was made. The phantasm gets to inhabit you and mm-hmm. you get to write about it. I mean, that's that's what I took from yeah. it. But it just took me a little while to realize that's what had happened. I didn't think it was crystal clear the way it was set up. Right. In the comp- that's all. Yeah. That's it my me a long time to, before yeah. I realized because I even asked Robin over <laughs> Facebook Messenger, what, what's going on? But, well, thanks. Uh, well, I feel better now. <laughs> yeah. It's really sad to see Scott so uh, confused mm-hmm. because yeah. Gavin is, you know, uh, yeah. so bipolar. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, not my. Not, uh, well, no, mul- he's, he's multiple, multiple personality. Multiple personality, yeah. yeah. yeah One exactly. minute he's showing him a lot of attention and affection, and the next mm-hmm. minute, get away from me. Yeah. And he is so confused. It's so sad. And, and that piled on with the fact that Scott is a newly uh, a gay man. Like he, yeah, yeah, not secure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's feeling very tentative. Yeah. But it is funny. Like Scott uh, meets Gavin on the streets, and um, there's like a pool of blood between them on the sidewalk in the in the drawing. <laughs> and it's like we're not even talking about that. There's a pool of blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, how have you been doing? <laughs> Whatever. 
And so, yeah, they stay in also and watch some TV. And uh, Gavin tries to make a move, but Scott's not ready. And, uh, yeah, they, they just kind of pass out on the couch together when the Phantasm returns. And, yeah, like you said, it, he goes a little uh, goes a little crazy on him. Or, you know, what the <laughs> hell? Get away from me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the Phantasm's been out in the town killing zombies. He's just this floating entity with uh, cowboy hat and guns. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, this couple that ends up being uh, Gwen's parents... Did we know that this was her parents? No. I don't think that's those okay. were, that couple was her parents. I don't think so. The hair is wrong. Yeah, it's totally different Oh, parents. okay. She's got like Rasta hair. No, that's not her parents. No. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, Phantasm tells uh, Scott to leave. He's all confused and stuff. And uh only thing else happens to this issue is just Kennedy is, uh, her team wants to clear out of there. Like, they've killed all the zombies, but Kennedy's sure they're missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, Good instincts, Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> love Kennedy. Um, okay, so issue twenty takeout. Um, I love this cover. <laughs> it's a, uh, a tiger beat <laughs> cover. Oh, I zombie beat. Can he love a ghost? Can he love it all? Frankenstein. <laughs> um, and Chris Robinson says he wanted to do a teen Frankenstein, um, and from then on. They they both called him Frankentine, but not in the book. It's actually funny because <laughs> one of the last uh, couple pages in the book, I think Gwen calls him Frankentine. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just Francis. Or somebody does. Yeah, they do. Yeah. It's funny. And um, he says, with Twilight, we've seen uh, sexy teen vampires and werewolves, but no one's done a sexy teen Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is an attempt at a Twilight for Frankenstein, but hopefully less sappy. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, and it adds to his mystique that he doesn't talk much. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, Stephanie, if you like your guys hunky and dumb. <laughs> but well, really not, not, not actually dumb, but just kind of mysterious. <laughs> yeah. No, I gotta tell you, all through this thing, I I'm thinking to myself, I'm sorry. I don't see the appeal. I mean he's all he does. In, in medicine, we call it echolalia. That is when you repeat back whatever was last said to you. I mean, uh-huh. That's pretty much what he does. He has no brain of his own. So I guess, you know, if you just want to jump on a brainless hunk, that's fine. But I looked at this and went, really, really, girls? This is appealing to you? Wow. <laughs> it made me laugh. Yeah. But I don't know. Ellie has this sweet, nurturing side. She's always trying to take care of Gwen, and now she's focused on Francisco. Well... And Ellie's not that bright herself, let's be honest. So, you know, it might be a perfectly appropriate match. Um, And, uh, yeah, we see Ellie's possessed a woman to bring Francisco clothes and food. Which (laughs) I guess uh, he doesn't dine on any sort of uh, human flesh or anything like that. He just eats sandwiches. He's fine with that. Um, And they go to the college campus to jog his memory. And um, he has some, but it makes his head hurt. And uh, Ellie notes that she's sad that she can't hug him when our old pal Vampire Claire shows up. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, folks, she's got pants, finally. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) For the rest of the series, she has pants. And, uh, you know, I don't don't have to be like, why are people just talking to her? She's just standing there in a shirt and underwear. Or (laughs) very small shorts. I don't know. (laughs) You were a little fixated on that, weren't you? (laughs) Um, Francisco gets agitated, but Claire thinks that her and Ellie can work out an arrangement. 
and (laughs) straight up Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg situation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, Claire's like, yeah, you can possess me and then I get a turn. Ugh. Yeah, she's just she's just scary to. Oh God, <laughs> poor. It's like I feel like he it, it, mm, wouldn't be safe with her. <laughs> she's, like, she's this giant, you know, hunky thing, and she could just finish him off. That's yeah, she's like, like a predator. She is a predator. She crazy. <laughs> yep. Um, let's see, Scott. He's in this issue. He's just like. Um, you know, w- wondering about Gavin. Uh, Gavin calls to apologize, and uh, Scott goes outside to, to talk to him, but then he gets grabbed by uh, John. Dun, dun, dun. And then uh, <laughs> also, um, Kennedy shows up uh, with uh, in Gwen's crypt after uh, Nixon finds her mm-hmm. and um, says, You have to come with me to Washington, D.C. And that's pretty much it for that issue. Um, issue 21 is probably my least favorite. Oh, I know. <laughs> why do they, why do, why do comics do this? Why do they change the style? It's a guest artist. Oh, yeah. okay. It was terrible. It was terrible. <sighs> um, I mean. I did, I, I, I was so, so distracted by what looked like, um, I don't know, uh, um, Fred Flintstone cartoon drawing <laughs> that, that I just kept staring going, really? They put this out? It's terrible. These people don't even look the same. Gwen doesn't look the same. I like hate Their it. heads are all like squished and their <laughs> noses yes, are sticking they're out. they're squared and... off. Yeah. It's all, it looks like a Betty and Veronica or something. It's yeah. just, oh my God. It's awful. Um, this issue was drawn by uh, Jason Bone, who sometimes goes by the name J-Bone. Um, he's, uh, oh. <laughs> he's the artist yeah. on Allison Dare and Solar Stella. So if you like this, maybe you should check those out. Um, and I'm not really sure how this all happened. My big problem was here we are, we're closing in on the end and now we have a guest artist. <laughs> it's like, yeah. ah. And, um, I did find uh, Jason's blog where um, back in this 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 issue came out um, March of 2012. He, back in August of 2011, he drew uh, a photo or a picture of uh, for iZombie. It was basically Gwen uh, feasting on like Mark Twain's brains while Ellie and <laughs> Scott are looking on, kind of disgusted. Um, and in the comments, Mike Allred is commenting like, "Oh, this looks really great." Blah blah blah. So. I'm thinking that Mike probably gave him a call and said, hey, I was looking to have a month off. Uh, <laughs> you want to draw the, the comic for one month? So, yeah. Um, I'm, I actually have uh, that uh, picture. I will post it on our Facebook page for people to see. <sighs> but, you know, I'm not uh, really familiar with a lot of comics, but <clears throat> like I picked up, I think maybe it was for free comic book day I picked up a Serenity comic mm. and that the cover was so beautiful and then you open it up <laughs> and the inside is like so cartoony and it mm-hmm. just it drove me nuts. Yeah, sometimes they do have different cover artists. I mean this this cover for this issue was drawn by Mike Allred, but yeah, yes, the inside yes. looks like uh, you can tell. <laughs> exactly. This is why it shocked me so much. <laughs> yeah. And uh it the issue the the issue is called Mix It Up. Which is right because we have a new artist, and we start off um, with the opening narration is not by Gwen, it's by Kennedy, and uh, she talks about the origins of where uh, Zombie Abe Lincoln comes from. 
just basically like he died, and then it looks like um, Mary Todd Lincoln went to a seance held by John Amon, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, his name is like he goes he went by like John Damon back then, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, Lincoln comes back as a zombie and becomes a secret agent for the government. <laughs> taken down Nazi werewolves and uh, looks like he drops in on the red, red morgue. That's the thing. We we have John John Amon. That's kind of important to see that that's him. And um, the red morgue, that's a quick panel. And the red morgue is where, um, you know, Dr. Kofsky and uh, Commander Corsi or whatever comes from. Yeah. And that kind of cleared all that up because... <clears throat> yeah, but it's... You know... You, I don't know. I had to like take a double take at the panels. I was like, wait a second. Uh, is that who we think it is? Whatever. And the art doesn't make it very help. It's not very helpful. Right. No. Um, Kennedy gives Gwen her first brain smoothie, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, yum. Yeah. She doesn't get any sort of visions or anything. It's just a, a nice refreshing drink. <laughs> um, and they're about to leave when Gwen mentions Galatea, and uh, uh, Kennedy says they're not going anywhere. Um, and Galatea rec- realizes that uh, the uh, Doctor Coffee's uh, calculations say that Zatalu is going to be coming a little sooner than expected. Um, we have uh, yeah. <laughs> we have Ellie <laughs> dancing with Francisco in Claire's body. And then when time's up, uh, Claire's like, uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be wanting more than dancing next time. And, uh, yeah, we finally see Ubasti in human form. Another reason I was like, oh, this artwork, I want to see what Ubasti actually looks like. Not this weird, like powder puff girls. Uh, (laughs) no offense, J-Bone. Uh, (laughs) sister, uh, I don't know. Um, and yeah, it looks like John needs a living human with two souls and plans on uh, killing Scott. And meanwhile, John's uh, aligned the dead presidents and the grave diggers, which are also the Fossers. I, just, I go back and forth mm-hmm. in the names and the mm-hmm. notes. Yeah, and, that was confusing. And uh, Gwen is rescued from that plane by a masked man. <laughs> so... Enough of that issue. <laughs> yes, and then thank God that issue. Yeah. <laughs> I love the cover of issue twenty-two yeah, collections. I'm looking, looking at it right now, it's beautiful. I use it as uh, our artwork to announce that we're going to be recording. Um, Gwen in like a fetal position on a stone angel, and actually, if you look closer, the angel is actually Galatea, and uh, mm-hmm. John Amon's face is in a nearby stonework as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that cover. Um, yeah, it's pretty. I, I love Horatio's line when he's rescuing Gwen. Aren't you going to say I'm a little too short to be a stormtrooper? <laughs> uh, um, Isn't it amazing how, how um, Star Wars is so much a part of our culture? Yeah. It's just, it's everywhere. It's amazing. Everybody knows. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it looks like Horatio's not as mad as we thought. He says he loves her and mm-hmm. then tells her all about what happened to Bethany, which is she got attacked by a zombie. And if you notice in the panel, um, he had to decapitate her. <laughs> yep. Thanks. So uh, that would scar a guy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe a smidge. <laughs> <laughs> 
She finally remembers how John convinced her to kill herself on the drive back to Eugene, which is what we'll get into in the next issue. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, Gavin meets Gramps and Dixie at Scott's apartment. <laughs> he comes in going, hey, look, babe, I didn't mean to. <laughs> and Gramps is like, what? <laughs> um, so <laughs> I love this whole exchange here because Gramps calls Gavin a fairy. <laughs> and Gavin says, I wrote this down. Look, with all this crazy stuff that's been happening lately, I can just about accept a talking chimp, but not a ho- but a homophobic talking chimp is where I draw the line. <laughs> I like that one. Too. <laughs> Don't get your panties in a bunch, Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, and he has a package for Scott, which is a Dixie Mason uh, doll, and then mm-hmm. uh, yes, another one of my suspicions is verified. Dixie opens it, looks at the package, and she's like, my, oh, my, this does take me back. <laughs> I guess that was an easy theory. Sure, they're both named Dixie, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, John tells Scott that he's going to sacrifice him for the greater good, and meanwhile, upstairs, he's making plans with the, the Fosters and the dead presidents. What else happened to this issue? Claire makes plans with Ellie and Francisco for what she says is going to be rough. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Moving on. Number 23, Exhumed. This is a cool cover, like an x-ray of Gwen, and there's a brain burger burger design behind her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As it turns out, Gwen killed herself because John showed her his memories from 500 years ago of the uh, Great Convergence in South America. I mean, this uh, village was completely wiped out um, after he stopped Zitalu. And that's the first clue of like, huh? So he lived and what was going on? Hmm. Um, I have a thought, sort of an aside. I'm just flipping through as we're talking. I'm flipping through the, the issue. And, you know, the whole side story of Galatea, I could care less. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, seriously, I could totally care less. She's not even that interesting a villain. She's not really that hard to defeat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's hanging out with whatever that big, tall, stupid thug is with the guy, you know, carried Commander around the Commander and Dr. Coffee. Thank you. I don't care about any of them. <laughs> Does anybody else feel this way? I, I don't care. Yeah, I don't know. It's just another ingredient in the whole iZombie recipe. It's just... Yeah. Well, it's I think it's what, it's what Steph, yeah, what Steph said earlier. Like, there's just so many baddies, but... Yeah, I don't know if we need them. That's all. There are so many that when they do show up, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, I remember these. <laughs> remember that? Or or have Galatea. I mean, I get it because she's the other major threat to the world. To be fair, yeah. I see her role, but then don't have the vampire girls. Mm-hmm. I guess that's my I, whatever. I just my I whole, found it a bit too many too many side distractions or something. My know. whole frustration yeah. with the comic is that our heroine Gwen rarely mm-hmm. rarely comes in contact with the vampires, Galatea. Uh, the dead presidents, uh, the Fosters, barely any yeah. of them. And yeah, she's sort of being carried along. Um, if this were a stream and she were floating in it, she's in a back eddy half the time, yeah. you know. And then eventually gets tossed in the middle of the river and floats down to where she has to meet her destiny. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like in the last issue, she's like meeting everybody or like re-meeting them yeah. after meeting them for like one time. Yeah. yeah. It, that was just like, I, I think in our second uh, podcast about book two, You Vampire, 
I was like, well, Gwen's not even involved in any of this vampire stuff, so why? Plus, here's another thought. Okay, so Galatea wants to, you know, harness Zalatu. Yeah, right, as if you could harness it. Mm-hmm. Um, why doesn't someone just seriously just shoot her in the head? Like, why? <laughs> you know, with this, uh, like this John, whatever his name, John Eamon, who's willing to sacrifice Scott and kill innocent people. Why don't you just kill Galatea? Mm. Like, seriously. Well, when it stops Zalatu. No, it wouldn't, but it would stop her from trying to harness right. him, which is almost a side threat, right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just no, it's fine. evil, but it's not <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I guess I just find her, I don't find her as compelling and interesting a character. Maybe that's what my complaint is. I like the- John. John's more mysterious for the longest time. She just seems like she's. You know, she's hell-bent on a stupid idea of control of the world, which you know is going to fail miserably. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the best thing we can say about our character and how important she is, like the one time Gwen meets her, she's like, whatever. She's like, gonna walks away. <laughs> yeah, not interested. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I just feel like Gwen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Gwen and Horatio go to this gas station, and uh, Gwen's like, "I leaves him a note and says, now I know what I have to do. And so she goes to John um, Iman, and uh, Horatio all of a sudden is possessed by this uh, entity called Strider. Yeah. Which you see in the flashback with John in South America. This thing that's uh, pretty much like, it's pretty much the Silver Surfer. It's like, hey, this yeah. world-devouring thing is coming. Just want to tell you all, and I will help. I don't know. He, like, fights off hounds of Zitalu, but when Zitalu is about to show up, he's like, I'm out. (laughs) See you in the next uh, uh, world-devouring feast, whatever. Now, I just want to clarify. Do they actually show him getting possessed? Yeah. Where's the panel? In the last few panels, I believe, in uh, Uh, issue 23. Oh, just there. Zalatu approaches? Oh. Yeah. Okay, because I think I when I first flipped through this, I, I missed that. And then when he shows up later... Because they keep flipping back and forth between Gwen going to John's house, and you think that Horatio is outside John's house, but it's not really. It's Gwen. Yeah. Um, other stuff that's happening... Um, <laughs> there's this whole big fight on top of this mountain. This is actually a real mountain. Um, it's called Skinner Butte. It's B-U-T-T-E. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> I yep, don't want to yep. say it the other way. Yeah, you- <laughs> if I say Skinner butt, a lot of X Files fans might get ex- excited. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Allred actually said, um, "I would encourage people to take that issue and go to the top of Skinner Butte and try to figure out where all the characters are." Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling he probably drew a lot of that or took a lot of pictures up there and then drew from there. But uh, Galatea is trying to assemble her uh, dodecahedron, which is uh, the thing that's going to suck the part of Zitalio into um, whatever body that is going to, and then she's going to, I don't know, conquer everything with it. I don't know. But whatever. (laughs) Her plan, of course, uh, goes to crap when uh, the dead presidents and the Fosters show up. Big fight. And... um, Koshi uh, loses, is take, taken into cu- custody. Um, Galatea and Claire flee, leaving Dr. Coffee behind. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they're, they're taken into custody. And I believe this is the last we see of them. 
which I guess is good because the less characters, the better at this point. <laughs> but Dr. Coffee is a brain in a coffee yep. bot. <laughs> yep. I was expecting Gwen or Kennedy to eat this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. The last person holding Dr. Coffee is Kennedy, so who knows? Maybe it happened. Maybe she's like, I'll save you for the morning. Morning cup of <laughs> Dr. Coffee. Um, <laughs> and, and also, um, John is working on his backup plan, um, which is his sacrificing Scott in the woods, and the phantasm stops him. Mm-hmm. And Scott escapes to find Ellie and Francisco. And I'm like, why are they here? And then I thought, oh, wait, they're meeting with Claire. So Claire was like, hey, listen, I want to hook up. So I got this whole Dota cohesion thing going on on top of this mountain. So meet me in the woods right outside that whole event. And uh, <laughs> then things will get rough. I don't know. So that's pretty much it for that issue. Um, go on to issue 24, Monsters of Rock. If you guys didn't know, this is another guest artist, but he does a lot better job adhering to the whole style of by zombie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Jim Rugg, um, who draws for Street Angel and Aphrodisiac, which is a tongue in cheek uh, black exploitation comic about a pimp. And uh, <laughs> I think maybe he was pu- tr- pulled on because this is mostly a Kennedy issue. So mm-hmm. you have. Kennedy um, having a flashback of uh, her experiences with the band Ghost Dance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We find out that she died on patrol in an army base in Germany in 1978, and then she gets sent to investigate uh, this uh, music for Hobbits. And and this guy, uh, Adam Morlock, big big, uh, occultist, what is he, kind of like a Timothy Leary kind of thing. Or something, yeah. Um, he writes lyrics for them, and when, at their concerts, uh, trippy stuff starts to happen, because it's like they're doing a ritual. And um, they talk about this final show, and then she kind of talks about how like how the band members are affected, and I really like that mm-hmm. whole thing. The bass... Yeah, the where are they now? Yeah. Yes. Like, the bass player becomes, like, a simpleton and ends up being a ch- children's TV host. Um, and then you see this, the lead guitarist, like, in his old age, trying to, like, recapture it. And the lead singer kills himself uh, in uh, Shades of uh, Jim Morrison, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially in that grave site, it looks a lot like Morrison's grave. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Kennedy watches this concert go from, like, a jam fest to a Pentecostal service. It's pretty crazy. And then... Um, t- tentacles start shooting out of the sky and grabbing people. <laughs> and um, the way Kennedy stops it is by uh, stopping the music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the Z- Zatalo comes goes away, and now it's coming for Eugene. And the only other thing that happened in this issue is um, Gwen says, she basically, I'm, I'm going to go along with you, John. I, we have to kill everyone in town to save the world. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. <sighs> so. So I think that this gives us hope that Kennedy has stopped it before, so yeah. maybe it can be stopped again. Mm-hmm. Right. And what it seems more and more though is that Zitalo has never stopped. He's just po- po- postponed. <laughs> yeah, he's just put off for a while till he wanders back to Earth. Yeah. 
So now we begin the end with issue 25, the end part one. And um, what's cool is that um, Gwen from now on is narrating from after the end. So she's like, I basically want to tell you what happened. John teaches Gwen that souls are just energy. Um, (laughs) And he does a little Einstein thing where it's like energy can't be created or destroyed, just absorbed. And she doesn't need to eat brains to absorb a soul. She can just absorb it, which is interesting. I wonder I wonder how it, how it would go with the TV show if they all of a sudden just changed it like that, you know? Um, <laughs> they take the brain eating. <laughs> Maybe that would yeah. be the finale. Yeah. <laughs> the series finale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also teaches her how to leave her body. Her projecting all over town. We're not actually projecting it, but their souls are actually flying in the sky. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the phantasm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, and so while this is happening, while they're going all over town in their souls, the, these little monsters are attacking the city. Yes. Mm-hmm. The hounds of Zitalu. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the harbingers of what is to come. These are things that, um, um, they possess people, and that's why we'd have all these like undersouls or whatever when there's not a giant crack in the universe. But once the crack is really opened, um, they they come out as themselves. I mean, we saw the beginning. You know, what they remind me of they remind me of pilot fish that hang around with sharks. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's kind of what they and, are. Yeah, that's what they say in the issue. Like they're 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 like the little things that follow the big thing. <laughs> yeah, like parasites. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we saw, like, Lobster Man in the beginning of last issue, <laughs> but now they're actually coming out in their own form, and it's just mm-hmm. creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, John? I love that every every time somebody uh, sees Horatio, that, Horatio, what have you done with your hair? <laughs> <laughs> and he has to re-explain it all over again. I am not yeah, the man you are. I'm not Horatio. <laughs> I'm the I'm just in your friend's body. Yeah, so he's t- talking in this, like... You know, higher form or whatever. Just like I have come to destroy, blah 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 blah. blah. Um, John tells uh, Gwen that Zitalo consumes all the souls on the planet and does not listen to the voices of the dead like Gwen does. In fact, no one does that. By the way, Gwen, that's <laughs> <laughs> you're the only loser yeah. listening to the. You really souls. need to ignore these voices and stop trying to save people. Oh, um, and Gwen. Immediately, it's just like, I'm really not keen on sacrificing a small group of people. And um, John insists that he's different from Galatea because he's doing it for the greater good. And um, says Gwen needs to get her hands dirty. There's no other option. So that's it for them in that issue. But um, just quick. Okay, can I uh, ask, did either either one of you have any faith in John being up front with Gwen at this point? (laughs) (laughs) I did keep going back and forth with him, but towards the end here, I'm like, he's, I mean, as soon as he was about to sacrifice Scott with no uh, problems at all about it. Right. You know, he's a baddie. Yeah. Even more so than is indicated by the ridiculous um, smoking jacket that he wears all the time. (laughs) That alone should have, should have clued you in. (laughs) Um, Ellie and Francisco are attacked by the hounds on a playground and Strider saves them. Um, we also see Dixie's history. She was raised by her father, taught her how to fight. And, uh, you see her fighting a werewolf (laughs) 
and that she knows the difference between good and bad monsters and actually knew about Scott all along, <laughs> which yeah. is great because I think in our first podcast about this, I was talking about how um, Scott is like ridiculously obvious, just wearing a hoodie over his terrier head and sitting in this <laughs> bright diner. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how could you not see that? And I just, I, I, I said it was always just comics logic that they, you know, if you see something cloaked in shadow, it's really, you can't see it at all, but come on. <laughs> um, Scott runs into uh phantasm Gavin and he's like, Oh, you're the boy that John had tied up. And, um, <laughs> and then he sees the hounds and instead of just leaving Gavin's body, he makes Gavin go hide and then leave his body. So Scott's depressed all over again. And, <laughs> Um, and then Gavin's like upset about the deal he made. And the only other thing that happens in this issue is Galatea offers a vampire's unimaginable power to help her capture Francisco. Hmm. Uh, end part two, we see um, the horrors of what's happening in the town. And I think one of the mm-hmm. most striking images is that image of this father who's turned into like this fly monster and his family like cowering in a corner. Yeah. So scary. Um, so Gwen is looking to say goodbye to her friends, and um, he's going through town, stopping at a crypt, Dixie's firehouse, Scott's apartment, and um, at Scott's apartment, we uh, she finally finally <laughs> sees her brother. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> That sucker's been teased out for, uh, what, since issue number one? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, the light on her face is pretty worth it to me. Um, The vampires take Francisco, and Trisha starts going, Is this... How many people are named Francisco in this town? (laughs) this be my boyfriend? (laughs) Um, John tells the Phantasm that he did what he needed to to stop uh, Zitalo... And uh, he didn't tell Gwen the whole truth. Um, and then Strider, of course, jumps in, and they're like, "Hey, you're here!" And uh, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, the end cannot be averted." Um, we have uh, Diogenes and Kennedy fighting side by side, and of course, it's like, "Oh, the National Guard won't be here for many hours, and we can't call in reinforcements; it'll be days away." It's like, all right. <laughs> Um, so Kennedy calls in Operation Glassy Knoll, which is to completely uh, nuke Eugene till it's nothing but glass. Um, and then we start seeing people um, meeting each other at the bus station, and the bus station seems to be like the main last area of conflict. Uh, and uh, Gramps is almost arrested by a soldier, and Scott wolfs out, and then all of a sudden Zitalu arrives. And then another one of my favorite exchanges in here is uh, Dixie says, Land of Goshen. And Grant says, You ain't just whistling, Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the punter in you must have. <laughs> oh, so much. Okay, so issue 27 and part three. Um, John calls Gwen, says it's time, but Gavin, of course, won't leave her side. They go to the bus station. And um, Gwen realizes Gavin and Scott are a thing, and to make matters worse, all of a sudden her parents are there. Yes, out of the blue, her parents show up. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, I've looked at many different articles and things and looked at their websites or whatever. And this, uh, these parents look a lot like, uh, the author, Chris Robertson and his wife, Allison Baker. So if that was intentional or not, I don't know, but that's pretty cool. Like they're the parents of Gwen. <laughs> um, Ellie tries to have, uh, Trisha help her and Trisha knows now it's Francisco. Um, see what else? John, Phantasm, and Strider arrive, and it's it's time to absorb everybody's full soul. Um, and also the Galatia, the Vamps, and Ellie and Francisco are there. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. here. Um, the Vamps fight the dead presidents and the gravediggers while Claire assembles that dodecahedron. I will never forget the word dodecahedron. <laughs> and um, Ellie tells Trisha uh, to do something. And that's not going to pay off till the next issue. Uh, <laughs> and the last thing I have here for this issue is uh, Strider tells Gwen that it's time for her to make her sacrifice, which mm-hmm. surprises Gwen. And John tells Gwen to absorb everyone's soul, that their lives are meaningless, and they might as well be dead already. And mm-hmm. that's when Gwen punches him out. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, proactive Gwen! Uh, <laughs> And uh, Gwen realizes that he plans on feeding her to Zitalu after she absorbs all the souls, and that he's done this before. <laughs> and instead of stopping Zitalu, he just sets somebody else up with his powers as a revenant, and has that person sacrifice themselves, thereby ensuring he lives on. Yep. <laughs> he's a weenie. He's a total weenie. Coward. Slimy coward in a smoking jacket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so issue 28, there's a lot of stuff that happens here at the end. Um, Let's just scroll right through it. Uh, John prepares Gwen for the sacrifice, but someone's in the way, Galatea. Um, Gwen learns that Galatea plans on putting Zitalio into Francisco, and then she's like, so he's like one big soul. Hmm. Um, The Dodecation starts drawing Zitalio down, and that's when John attacks Galatea. And then Trisha knocks out Claire, saves Francisco. They run off with Ellie. Um, and then John and Galatea get wrapped <laughs> up together <clears throat> in a tentacle. And it's like they're like almost kissing as their souls yeah. are being eaten away. Yeah, and I'm glad to see the end of both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. And I think in the last issue, Claire's like, why don't they just get together or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Gwen doesn't know what to do. And Strider's like, well... I'm out of here. I'll see you in the next uh, apocalypse. And uh, and uh, you have my pity. <laughs> <laughs> and that leaves Horatio there. And they they kiss. And Gwen announces to everyone that John had one plan, and she has another. And um, Zitalu may be giant, but he's not. He's no different than any other soul. It's just a big soul. So um, I wasn't gonna. Uh, oh wait. Galatia was going to draw part of Zitalo into Francisco. I wasn't going to s- stop with part. I was going to take the whole thing. Um, yep. But I don't get possessed by the souls I take in. I digest them. So she all of a sudden starts consuming a soul and turns into big, naked Gwen. <laughs> yeah, suddenly she loses her clothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the clothes are too small for her. <laughs> and she's like the Incredible Hulk, only gorgeous and naked. Yeah. Is what you're uh, she doesn't have and the pants. And really, really bad. 
And he just Funny. gets smaller and yeah. smaller. Yeah. So he's just a just a little last little bite that she can just rip out his brain. Oh, I love it. She says she does <laughs> she holds this little tiny tallow in her hand. Yes. She says, I can see from your memories how many worlds you've devoured, how many lives you've ruined. Well, all that ends now. And then just squeezes his head and the brain pops out into her mouth. <laughs> and then she just squishes the rest. And then she realizes she has to leave. She's a being of the higher dimensions, and if she stayed, she'd wreck the world. And she says, goodbye, everybody. I love you all, and thank you for everything. Okay. Uh, yep. We have a little bit of a epilogue here. Um, the world knows now there's monsters, but knows they're, they're not all a threat. Um, our government people are all working together. Um, and Gwen possesses Francisco to write what happened. And uh, Francisco is happy with Trisha and Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> and Scott and Gavin Mary start a nonprofit support group for the undead called I Zombie. And she says, I'm glad they're happy, but I'm not crazy about the name. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say how many Twitter people have said that? <laughs> that I've seen on Twitter. Like, I Zombie, really? <laughs> um, what? Because it's like... It's because it's iPhone and iPod and stuff? Is that why they don't it's like it? It's too millennial, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Dated, it kind of dates itself. It kind of... Yeah. I don't know. Horatio works for them as a counselor, and you can see he's sad. It's like it's, he's lost two women that he's loved. And uh, Gwen is no more, but the girl who was Gwen is traveling to places she could never imagine. Naked. Naked. <laughs> Naked and giant. Ah. <sighs> The end. The end. Yeah, comic. Okay, you're gonna be annoyed with me, but too bad. (laughs) Comic books are always kind of sexist, like because it's always the female naked form that we all see and love and last after, right? Like you know, you don't see any completely frontal nudity naked boys in here. So give me a break. Why is that, Robin? Explain that. You saw Frankenstein's nipples. It's not like... Whatever. It's because they're mostly done by men, I think. <laughs> no, I'm being completely serious. I think that's exactly why. But well, I mean, yeah, you know, it's answer. not to say there isn't a problem, but I don't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, she's... Not in this one. Yeah, not in this one. Definitely. Um, I'm, I'm whatever. I tell you to be a downer, but it's just it's just typical. Like, did they yeah. really have to make you naked? No, they I had just, to make you naked just to make it titillating. Ha ha! Stop <laughs> giggling at the I word tit. It, yeah, I guess yeah. it's just that uh, females usually don't read comics, and it's just mostly a male thing. Just it's just is. Yep. Well, I made two females read comics. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I enjoyed it. It was nice to have something to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would rather have the physical book in my hand than reading it digital, digitally. Because right. I just can't see. I can't. I'm blind. <laughs> well, then there's no stopping you. Go buy him. <laughs> yeah, and I think I am. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna pick up something. I wish it was all in one omnibus, but they're available in like four trade four trade paperbacks. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean though about having it in hand because the reader I'm using, the whatever comic book reader, you have to scroll down like. You know what I mean? You can't see the whole page. Or yeah. I mean, you can, but then it's too small. So I'd rather mm. have it one page at a time. Okay. But then I have to scroll. and yeah. So you're going down, yeah. then, then flipping the page, then going down. Yeah, exactly. And because then it's all big enough and everything is, you know, I can read it easily and I can see all the graphics easily. So it's, it's neat. It's full color. It's amazing. But yeah, it'd be nice to just have it in your hand, I think, sometimes. Well, um, 
I I just want to say, I mean, as we're wrapping up the comic itself, I just want to say, like, thanks to Chris Robertson and Mike Allred for making such a great comic. Um, it's not, like, anything I've ever read before, and I can see why it's got so many, like, diehard fans now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, as a result, I'm... I'm been catching up with Mike's uh, stuff in Silver Server and continuing on with that and loving that. And um, also on my agenda, um, Chris Robertson actually um, wrote for uh, Dark Horse a, a series called Aliens: Fire and Blood, which is a you know a thing on aliens. I like I like the aliens movies. Um, he's got a company called Mike Monkey Brain Comics, and he did um, a comic for them called. Uh, Edison Rex, which to me, I don't know, just from looking at it, it might not be anything like it, but it looks a lot like Venture Brothers. So, <laughs> Venture Brothers. <laughs> I just peaked uh, Steph's interest. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I don't know, well, you're recording, you can do what you want with this, but going back one second, I like the character of Gwen overall as an arc, and I like the fact that she saves the day in the end. I think that's pretty damn cool. Yes. I, I Because. Because there's so many, everyone else is duplicitous, right? Yeah. Like everyone, well, not everyone. I mean, Scott isn't, but a lot, everybody is not who they seem or they have an underlying sneaky mission. And, and, um, and she's just kind of, you know, like I said, pulled along in this little current, this little eddy, this little stream. Yeah. And in the end, she's the only one that thinks, wait a minute, there's another way. Like if I'm willing to sacrifice me. Um, then, then Zalatu is done forever, right. which I think is pretty amazing because John, I'm a jerk. Ammon could have done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he did not. He is. Steph's right. He's the biggest coward ever. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say. And then, and uh, I don't know. I, I love her too. I just, I just wish she was more a part of the entire book. Um, where a lot of these yeah. side plots, I just, I well, don't know. Well, that's why when I was whining a bit about um, Galatia, yeah. yeah, I think I'm sharing your same sense. I don't think I had framed it that way in my own mind that what I was missing was Gwen, but you're right. I think that's exactly why I was looking at going, really? Do I have to look at the guy with the brain in the jar again? I don't care, <laughs> you know? Uh, because I'd rather know what Gwen's doing. I think it, I think following her journey a bit more would have been really interesting. Well, that's why I liked uh, Kennedy so much because she seemed to be coming into conflict with everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I just as an aside, because you guys talked about this at length in the past, but yeah, I love the, the drawing. I love the style of this comic. Mm. Um, well, not the guest artist, but the actual <laughs> artist. Um, so it's it's really very beautiful to look at. Yeah. I could appreciate that. It's a, it's a really neat idea. Like I said, I enjoyed reading it. So I haven't read a comic in a long time. I read some Walking Dead mm-hmm. of you know a while ago, and but not, I don't routinely read them. So this was fun. Yeah, this was nice it definitely was fun. That's a good yeah. word for it. Yeah, and in a way, having an endpoint is neat because I feel like, oh, okay, it's wrapped up. I don't have to feel like I'm going to wonder what happens in the next issue. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, in a way, that was nice. It's like a little present in a box. Great, thank you. Yep, 28 issues and done. <laughs> yep, and you're done. Anyway, now back to what you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was going to get into this, uh, this uh, bit of feedback I have here. Oh, yeah, great. leads to more conversation. Um, mm-hmm. It's our first bit of feedback, and thank you so much. Um, it's from Dylan um, and Folks, if you want to email us, it's izombiepodcast at gmail.com. Um, Dylan says, hello there. Finally caught up with you on the comics, and I just wanted to leave a little bit of feedback for your next podcast. As a whole, the comics were very enjoyable read, and while I'm a little disappointed that the show itself is going to be uh, a really big reinterpretation with very little elements of the comics aside from the core concept, I'm also quite optimistic about the concept of the show itself. I agree, Dylan. Sure, I'm going to miss all the crazy characters like Spot, Ellie, Iman's old-timey speak, 
damnation. <laughs> um, the Dead Presidents, they should get their own spinoff comics, if you ask me. <laughs> I agree. Um, and all the quirks that were present in that crazy town of Eugene, which is a character on itself. But trying to shoehorn, shoehorn all those elements into a live-action adaptation would have been kind of hokey in the end. Not to mention that the comics are a complete story with a de- definite end and not a lot of deviation from that path except for the occasional case that Gwen is forced into after each brain consumption. Still, I'm hoping that some of those elements eventually make their way into the show in some form or another. Paintball shooting range run by vampire sorority girls, Dr. Coffee, make it happen! <laughs> well, I did I did say, um, um, as an aside, that... Um, they were shooting at a paintball range. I don't know if that has anything yes. to do with vampires. Yes, you did. So who <laughs> um, Looking forward to your thoughts and deconstruction of the last volume since this one is full of with fun characters, action, comedy, and chaos. Actually, I'm kind of impressed how the action in the last stretch was handled considering all the different plot lines that conspired throughout. Lots of potential loose ends there. Galatia and Iman's fate was appropriate and satisfying and a bit comical. As for Gwen, while her end kind of sucks being stuck in a limbo dimension like that, I wish she would have found her way back eventually, although I'm not clear on how is she communicating for her side of the story to be told. Can she do that permanently? Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, the more she's in this world, the more it'll wreck it from what she says. So maybe... Mm-hmm. And I, Yeah, I got the impression she... It was a temporary sort of reaching back and then she had to leave. Yeah. That's the sense I got. But that she was having an amazing journey. And, I mean, she's looking at the universe. In a way, that's not such a bad trade-off. No. no. <laughs> like, you know. That makes her happy then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully she's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but ending aside, lately I found it curious how I tend to gravitate towards stories with female-led characters in them. Buffy, Veronica Mars, Dead Like Me, iZombie, Birds of Prey, Hack Slash, Rachel Rising. If you're not reading that one, you should be. It's awesome, etc. I guess at some point, I just got a little tired of the male lead character perspective in comics and TV shows being one myself. A male, not lead character. Well, you're the lead <laughs> character in your own life, Dylan. <laughs> yes, you are. The star of your own yes. show. <laughs> At some point past your 20s, you stop looking for role models like the archetypal, uh, archetypical uh, male superhero, and you begin to take an interest in perspectives different from your own within similar stories to make them compelling once again. Anyway, I hope this podcast, um, as well as the, sh- the show, achieve long-lasting success. I can already hear that you guys are excited about it. Robin's constant giggling while talking about it gives it away. <laughs> and it's kind of contagious. D- Dylan, he does that. It's a Robin thing. <laughs> Cheers, Dylan. Thanks, Dylan. Um, oh, that's nice. I do wish uh, we... I, I do wish uh, um, summarizing this entire 220-page epic, um, we did have more... Um, breaking it down and stuff like that but let me tell you at this point i'm oh, ready to be done with oh. the comic and ready to start the show and i hope uh, you heard our enthusiasm for it throughout yeah i agree this was a long one to take apart you did very well robin by the way that's partly why Stephanie and i were not interjecting every little minute because <laughs> it, it just would have taken too long <laughs> but uh yeah i'm ready to see this show I'm, I'm like i said in the beginning i'm just excited about the concept and um and i like who they've chosen as uh, her, you know, her fellow actors, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't, I don't really know these people because, again, I just whatever. I'm not tuned enough to know all these actors, but I just mean that I like the characters that they put beside her from what little we saw in the trailer. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. It, yeah, it does. It looks like it's going to have a sense of humor, which is nice. Mm-hmm. 
um, some whimsy and some humor and some craziness and yeah, some drama. And I'm trying to think who she reminds me of. Um, she's like a, a, um, a disenfranchised teen in some ways. You know the scene where she's shopping for food or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see how she comes across. But it's cool because it's such a blank slate in so many ways mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun to see how she makes this her own. And so. I'm not sure if I said this on the show before, but as like a mm-hmm. Walking Dead comics fan, it's nice mm-hmm. that I won't have to watch the show and be like, oh my god, it's totally different, blah, blah, blah. Why would they do that with the character? If it's still, I know yeah. from the right on the yes. outside, it's totally different and whatever. It's fine. Yeah, you did say that. And I know what you mean. You don't have, you just get your head into a different headspace right from the, the get go, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad that, and, that we covered the comics and did them justice before moving on to uh, cover the show. Right, because you didn't know going into this at all, really, what the show's premise was going to be <laughs> until you saw that trailer. So it was like, surprise! I, I, I saw some synopsis online, but yeah. they could have been wrong. It could have been just false yeah. stuff, and they could have changed things. Yeah. But, uh, so. yeah. I'm psyched. Mm-hmm. Nothing verified this podcast more than watching that trailer and, and yeah. how excited I was for it. Yeah. So your next podcast will be after the first show airs, is that yeah, right? Yeah, this is the end so of Comic Bites. <laughs> right, so it comes on a Tuesday, you record on a Friday, release it ASAP after that. No, I actually assume. recording on Thursday, so... Oh, okay, releasing it on Friday. Yep, yep, I'm going to try to get oh, it out Friday okay. morning, so, you know, people have it for their Friday commute. And, uh, um, yeah. and I'm not really even sure where it's airing in my country, Canada, <laughs> <laughs> Because when I tried looking up the C, I kept thinking, is CW? Do we even have a CW? Anyway, there's some station here that carries a lot of their shows mm-hmm. in the evening, their prime time. So whatever. I'll have to just figure out where it is and try to find it and record it. But I'll do a little sleuthing and try to find it. Yeah. And really, unless something else happens big in the iZombie universe, this is probably the last you'll hear from us until after the premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's Tuesday, March 17th here in America at 9 p.m. <laughs> after the flash in the CW. <laughs> and uh yeah just get your feedback in to izombiepodcast at gmail.com all right so moira where can we find you on the internets well you find me sending in feedback to potential cast <laughs> fairly regularly i haven't been so good and at some other podcast. and and well i will be yeah once i can watch the show that'll be the plan and um in the past in the past you find you and i doing fisher cast with desiree which damn it was a good time uh, which was a six feet under intro yeah. cast, which, you know, if I do say so myself, was a lot of fun to do. And it, yeah, um, it, I, I definitely was getting flashbacks when we were covering uh, book three <laughs> of iZombie, Six Feet Under and Rising. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Me too. So that's where I'm at these days. And I'm Moira Brown on Twitter. Brown with an E. Awesome. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'll be hiding in the background listening in. <laughs> <laughs> and Steph, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Steph Smith. Uh, I do Potential Cast. We're in the Season 7. It's a, a Buffy retrospective podcast. We're in Season 7. Uh, hopefully we'll wrap that up soon because it's been going on way too long. <laughs> and we will get back soon to Redemption Cast, Yay. which is an Angel podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Season 1 episode of the Eyes on Me podcast with Robin and Steph. Our podcast logo is designed by Dee Sheehan. You can find her work at behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. We posted that link, as well as others, on our home on the web, iZombiePodcast.com. 
There you'll find links to our Twitter and Facebook pages. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash iZombiePodcast. Finally, send your feedback in to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. The iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it all you like as long as you link back to us. But please, do not change it or sell it or trade it for brains unless you're going to give us some. And remember, a mind is a terrible thing to taste.